0: Let's be honest, there's going to be times when you're facing disappointment and you're not sure what to do, where to go, how to move forward. As we continue with the series, Where Do We Go From Here?, we're reminded that answers and direction can always be found in the Word of God. Let's jump in.
1: How many of you were here last week? Okay. All right. Great. (laughs) Considering time, I'm going to do a brief, very brief review so that we can move forward in our series entitled, Where Do We Go From Here? Last week, we discussed the subject matter of wounded soldiers. We learned that God has provided us with everything that we need to be effective as soldiers in his army. He never intended us to walk around wounded because he loves us. He just truly loves us. Also, we can't be very helpful in ministering to others, especially unbelievers, if we're nursing our own wounds. As a congregation, when people enter our doors, we want to welcome them with open arms. We want to be soldiers in God's army that are strong, built up, loving, and free of wounds ourselves. We also talked about the fact that as a congregation, we are moving forward into a new facility while believing God for a new on-site pastor. These concerns help spawn the question, where do we go from here? This particular series will consist of four parts. Each segment is designed to give each of us introspection or deep thought regarding our current position. Then provide us with guidance on how to proceed to our desired destination, similar to a roadmap or a GPS. In part one of the series, a specific assignment was given based upon the word of God that will help to provide freedom whoever completes it. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you completed your assignment. But I will just stress again, I truly, truly hope that you did. I have found out, actually, (laughs) that for some people, there is almost, I don't wanna say fear, because of course we haven't been given the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. But for some people, they're very concerned Because sometimes when you deal with a lot of hurt and pain, it's like you lock it away, for lack of a better term, into a compartment in your brain, let's say. And with the assignment that I instructed you to complete, it's like you have to go and unlock that compartment. And for a lot of people, they feel safe with it staying over there. I get that. I totally understand it. But... I cannot stress enough, if you unlock that compartment and complete the assignment, you will totally be free and there is nothing like total freedom. So just please consider it. And if you were not here last week, or even if you were, I encourage you to get the CD. You may not feel as if you need any direction at this point in your journey. Trust me, as you continue to travel along this road called life, the information may prove helpful to you or someone that you care about. Now, before we move forward to our second avenue, I want to clarify something regarding the scriptures appearing on the screen behind me or lack thereof. Now, I believe that technology is a wonderful thing. Repeat after me. Iva believes that technology is a wonderful thing. Thank you. However, I also believe in my humble opinion. Notice what I said. My humble opinion. So I'm not saying this has anything to do with anybody else. This is just me standing before you. This is my humble opinion. I believe that some old school practices are crucial. Each of you seeing the word of God for yourselves is one of them. It is powerful when you search out the scriptures for yourself. I don't care if it's with your Bible, your iPad, your computer, your smartphone, but the fact that you're searching and you're looking for the scripture, there's a lot of power in that. It's powerful when you search it out for yourself, when you found the living word of God and it is before your eyes to read. This habit is crucial because at some point along your journey, you're going to need to find a scripture, to stand upon for whatever you may be walking through at that time. The faith vision screen is not going to be present in your critical hour when you need the word most. Technology, again, is a wonderful thing, but it's just a tool and it it enables us, if we're not careful, to become lazy. For example, I'll give you a perfect example. How many of you have noticed that you no longer memorize anybody's telephone number or address because you can just go to your smartphone and pull it up. I'll be the first, <laughs> okay? Or if you're writing an email, you forget how frequently you just forget how to spell the most simplistic of words because you don't care. Spell check takes care of it now. I submit to you that this is something we must guard ourselves against. Think about it. If the enemy can get you to become so dependent upon technology that you aren't utilizing your brain as much as you used to, as much as you can, he will lull you into a state of complacency and plain old laziness and he'll have you right where he wants you. I have observed people right here in this beautiful church who come with their Bibles (laughs) and they don't even bother to open them. They just look up at the screen. Or if the teacher is moving too fast, they just stop searching in their Bibles and look up at the screen. Now later on in that week or whenever, if they're in need of that particular scripture, they're going to have to hope that they can find it because the faith vision screen is not available to them. I hope you're getting my point. We are still in a battle with the enemy and we have to keep our wits about us. So even though I appreciate technology and think it's wonderful, I am asking that you search the scriptures for yourselves without the help of the faith vision screen. I'll try to help By repeating the location of each scripture at least twice. If I choose the Amplified Translation, which I'm just going to tell you right out... That's my favorite translation. So it's almost like if I'm teaching, you should just know if you have an Amplified Bible, just bring it, okay? Because I'm almost always going to read out of the Amplified. But I will try to always make sure. And if you don't have an Amplified, it's really okay. Because you know what? You can just write in your notes or in the margin, Amplified. And when you go home to study on your own, You can use the Amplified Translation. Notice also what I said. When you go home to study on your own. You see, we're getting to a point where we're becoming so busy with everything that we do and what we think is important that we get, our our study time is like when we're here. We don't really go home. I mean, and this, again, whenever I'm ministering to you, especially in this particular series, I'm always going to be dealing with the authentic you. Not the one that we put on our little fancy clothes and face and come and, you know, say all the right things and do what. I'm talking about the real you, the one who wakes up in the morning and only the Lord can truly love you <laughs> because you kind of don't look at all like how we're seeing you now. That's the person that I'm speaking to, the authentic you, okay? All right, so I'll try to repeat the location of each scripture and hopefully that'll help and you can just jot it down. If nothing else, if all else fails, just listen because your spirit is hearing more than you even realize. So now that we got all that out of the way, we can move forward along our journey to the subject matter, which is the title of part two, and it is called, Where is the Love? Now, if we stop and take a minute, And just look around the sanctuary. I want you to do that. If you look around the sanctuary, I think we can agree it's absolutely beautiful. Every detail of this ceiling, I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. The gold leaf on the wood, the carving on the ends of the pews, and let's not forget the phenomenal stained glass windows. It is absolutely breathtaking. Yet... With all of its beauty, it's not enough to draw people here and have it be filled to the rafters each week. We could explore many beautiful homes that have every detail imaginable, right down to heated granite floors so that your bare feet wouldn't get chilled as you walk across the floor in the dead of winter. I want you to envision for a moment the most opulent mansion that you can imagine in your dreams. Now, both the beautiful mansion of your dreams and this magnificent sanctuary are merely just wonderful structures. What makes these structures come to life, so to speak, or become a spectacular place that you want to gather in to fellowship with family and friends is based upon the people inside. Many of you may already be living in the house of your dreams. Praise God if you are. I submit to you that no matter if you're living in the house of your dreams, believing God for a better place to live, or even if you're living in a cardboard box, what makes your living space a home is the love that emanates from you. The same way that we're responsible for the love made available in our homes, We're responsible for the love made available in our church home. When people, member or not, enter into the doors of CCC East, they shouldn't have to ask, where is the love? It should be oozing out of us. It should be the salve that soothes their wounds. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John, the fourth chapter. And we're going to look at verses 6 through 11. Now, please jot this down because it will be out of the Amplified that I'm reading. It's 1 John, the fourth chapter, verses 6 through 11. When you have it, let me know you have it. Okay. Starting with verse 6, it says, We are children of God. Whoever is learning to know God progressively to perceive, recognize, and understand God by observation and experience, and to get an ever clearer knowledge of him, listens to us. And he who is not of God does not listen or pay attention to us. By this we know, recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is springs from God. And he who loves his fellow men is begotten, born of God, and is coming progressively to know and understand God, to perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of him. He who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is love. In this love of God was made manifest displayed where we are concerned in that God sent his son, the only begotten or unique son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us so very much, we also ought to love one another. When people come to visit us, we only have once to make a first impression. Do they just see a beautiful sanctuary, Or is our love for one another and towards them the focal point? Let's look at First John, the third chapter. And this time we're going to look at it at the New, out of the New King James version. And when you get there, we can read it together because we're going to look at First John 3, verses 10 and 11. So when you have it, let me know. Okay. Ready, read. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. It's true that everyone that steps through our doors is not a Christian. Some make that very clear. That's even more the reason that the love of Jesus needs to emanate Through us toward them. Turn with me to Matthew, the fifth chapter. And this, I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. And we're going to look at verses 43 through 48. So this is Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 43 to 48. And this is Jesus speaking to us. And starting with the 43rd verse, it says, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And the last verse, the 48th verse, out of the Amplified, it says, You, therefore, must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, if we look at verse 44... Where it says, "But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you." I realize that that's a hard task in the natural. Your flesh is going to rebel because it's just not—you know—that <laughs> just goes against everything that we can even understand and wrap our heads around logically. But that's why it's faith and not you no know, logic. Um, and it's really hard too, especially when you have family your own relatives, but more importantly, family in the body of Christ who persecute you and talk about you. And you know, they are, I mean, they don't even really try to hide it. (laughs) Okay. I mean, they just, just come right on. out. I mean, sometimes you can be walking down an aisle and you hear the little whispers, you hear it. So it's hard to do, but it doesn't matter. It didn't say, notice when we look back at that verse, nowhere did it say, That we were to pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you because it's easy or when it's easy. He didn't say that. He just said to do it. So therefore, we're obedient. So we, we know that we have to do it. And if you look at verse 47, and it says, And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? I mean, heathens do it. I mean, the tax collectors is what he refers to, but heathens do the same thing. They're nice to everybody. They greet the people they like, you know, and we don't ever want to be like them. Now, here's the thing that really gets me, and maybe you haven't noticed it, and if you haven't, praise the Lord. But there are people right here in Crenshaw Christian Center East who won't even speak to each other. They really will not. They will avoid each other. They will see sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so coming down this aisle. They will go back out the doors, go down another aisle just to avoid speaking to them. Okay. All right, so you've seen it too. So it's not just me. Okay. I've always found it interesting that in churches all over the country, they tend to have different personalities, so to speak. It's similar to how different college campuses have unique personalities or how regions of the country seem to be structured the same. I'll give you an example. If you're traveling in the South, it's not unusual at all to visit a family and find them extremely hospitable. They are willing to share with you whatever they have. Even if it's not that much, they will share it with you. They almost always want to feed you and sweet tea seems to be a staple. Okay, so you'd agree with that, right? Okay, well in some church families, people will freely give you the shirts off of their back while others tend to just talk about you and judge you. The word makes it clear how we're supposed to conduct ourselves as Christians. Turn with me to Romans 12. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 21. And I'm going to try to read this quickly (laughs) uh, from the Amplified because it's just that important. So it's Romans 12 verses 9 through 21 and... The ninth verse starts with Let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil, loathe all ungodliness, turn in horror from wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family. Give precedence. And showing honor to one another. Giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoice and exult in hope. Be steadfast and patient in suffering and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people. Sharing in the necessities of the saints. Pursue the practice of hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, who are cruel in their attitude towards you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing others' joy, and weep with those who weep, sharing others' grief. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourself to people, things, And give yourselves to humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. Repay no one evil for evil. But take thought for what is honest and proper and noble. Aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Beloved... Never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, requite, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome, master evil with good. It doesn't matter how you're being treated by others. You have to decide. It is a decision. And you have to exercise your faith because it's not always easy, but you've got to decide to love them anyhow. In doing so, you are being obedient. And I just like to add, because it really, it's amazing to me how people in the body don't speak to other people and they don't want to be bothered with other people. Here's the part I don't understand if they didn't get the memo or not. We're going to be spending eternity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Eternity, I mean, just think about that for a minute. So why am I going to go down this aisle because I don't want to speak to so-and-so, so so I'm going to come over here. What are you going to do in eternity? They're not going to go anywhere. They're not going to disappear. So you might as well check yourself, figure out what you need to do because... They're not going anywhere. And you will be spending an awfully long time with them. Let's look at the Gospel of John. We're going to look at the 15th chapter. This is the Gospel of John. And we're going to look at verses 12 through 17. And again, I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. So this is John 15. Let's start with the 12th verse. This is my commandment. That you love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love, no one has shown stronger affection than to lay down, give up his own life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep on doing the things which I command you to do. I do not call you servants, slaves any longer. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, working out. But I have called you my friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. I have revealed to you everything that I have learned from him. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and I have appointed you. I have planted you that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name as presenting all that I am, he may give it to you. This is what I command you that you love one another. I can't speak for you, but I appreciate what Jesus did for me. I don't take for granted that he calls me his friend. He has commanded me to love you. And even if you don't like it, I'm going to love you. (laughs) And as the song says, there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. I'm just going to do it anyway. Now, while you're in John's gospel, turn with me to John, the 14th chapter. And we're going to look at the 21st verse. So this is John's gospel, the 14th chapter, the 21st verse. And I'm going to read it out of... Oh, wow, you're paying attention. Yes. (laughs) Okay. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Now this verse totally says it all. I always want to be God's favorite. And be loved by him with Jesus loving me as my Lord and Savior and High Priest and the Holy Spirit as my Comforter and God. I won't let anyone stand in the way of that. Now, as a side note, if you find that things are not flowing as you think they should and you can't quite figure out why, check your love walk along with any unforgiveness that you may be holding on to. That's another one of those little tough subjects that, you know, we don't really, we kind of like try to sweep it under the carpet and keep on moving. But you really can't. You know, there could be people here who, you know, you could be married and you could be married... I've been married, I'm very blessed because I've been married for 39 years and I can honestly say to you that the 39 years, it's amazing to me because I don't know where that time went. I really don't. But the point of the matter is I mean I have a really very loving husband because to put up with me, I'm going to tell you right now. I am my parents truly loved me and I don't. I'm gonna just say I'm a loved individual because I don't like to say spoiled. Spoiled sounds like you know bratty or something, and I'm not bratty, but I am loved, <laughs> and I know that. And you know, for my husband to have to deal with me, trust me, he is a good man. <laughs> but the thing is, we. I think we've always communicated a lot with each other. We've always talked to each other. Um, I consider it an honor. To take care of my husband. I don't mind serving him. I don't mind showing him that I love him. And he doesn't mind showing me that. And I think sometimes marriages, you know, people don't enjoy them or they get so caught up again in trying to, I don't know if it's that they're trying to make money or what they're trying to do. And see, well, I can, yeah, they are. <laughs> We are, this world, the way we see it, if you turn on the TV, if you look at anything, everybody, again, is trying to tell you how to get more stuff. You need a better house, a better car, better clothes. What was, on, what was available last season, that's not the color that they're wearing this season. One year it was purple, and six months later it turned to green. And I mean, you know, people get caught up in all of that without even really realizing it. And that concerns me. I believe wholeheartedly in the prosperity message. I think, because, you know, we, we are supposed to have all that God said that we should have. So you'll never hear me say that we shouldn't. But what I will say to you is, along with that prosperity message... We need to understand why God wants us to be prosperous. And it's not just to see how many clothes that we can stick in our closet or how many cars we can drive. That's not why. He wants us to be prosperous so that we don't have to be bogged down with the cares of doing what we need to do to build his kingdom. And I think we kind of get caught off guard and forget that sometimes. And you can even forget that in your marriage. You can forget to honor your wife, to honor your husband because you're so caught up in all this other stuff that you're trying to do. That's not why marriage was there. You could do that all by yourself. So I just... It's a little side note, (laughs) but, you know, do something a little extra. And it doesn't even have to be something that takes a lot of your time or costs a lot of money. You can write your loved one a note and just give it to him, you know. Or give it to her. It doesn't have to be because they've even made flowers ridiculous where you have to go out and spend $150 for some flowers. I mean, really? <laughs> I don't think you should have to do that. Okay, but you could get a little card or better yet, write a little something and just give it to her with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or water. <laughs> you know, whatever. That, trust me, is a blessing. And those are some of the little things we can do. And when you do that, you'll just start to see that the love of God that's in you is just going to spring forth and it just gets better and better as a result. Children, sometimes, because let's face it, we know that they did not come here with any instructions. And we as parents are the responsible ones. But sometimes we make some missteps. And... We need to be big enough to apologize. There is nothing wrong with saying, you know what? I thought it should be this way or I thought it should go that way, but I missed it. But I love you and my intent is always to do God's best for you. So I missed it in this area. Please forgive me. You would be amazed the power that's in that. So even though it's just a little side note, (laughs) I'm just mentioning to you that there's some little, I don't want to say they're housekeeping details, but they're just some little things that we need to tweak so that we are truly flowing with the love of God in every area of our life. And if you're angry or if you're harboring resentment or unforgiveness toward anyone, you are totally short-circuiting love. You're just short-circuiting it and think about this that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do because if he can distance you from love let's look at the big picture who is he really distancing you from? God why? because it is written God is love so anger resentment and unforgiveness neutralize your faith, they neutralize absolutely everything Quickly turn with me, I'll prove that, to Galatians 5. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplify. (laughs) It's just the sixth verse. So it's Galatians 5, the sixth verse. And it says, For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. So, if you notice, what matters is that our faith is activated, energized, expressed, and working through love. Turn with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to look at verses 25 through 32. And I'm going to read this out of my favorite translation. So that's Ephesians 4, and we're going to start with verse 25, and it says, "'Therefore, rejecting all falsity and being done with it, "'let everyone express the truth with his neighbor, "'for we are all parts of one body and members one of another. "'When angry, do not sin. "'Do not let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury, or indignation "'last until the sun goes down.'" "'Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. "'Give no opportunity to him. "'Let the thief steal no more, but rather let him be industrious, "'making an honest living with his own hands "'so that he may be able to give to those in need. "'Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, "'nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth.' But only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others as is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace God's favor to those who hear it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden him. Now I'm going to put a pause right there. Think about this. Here we are in a congregation. We're believers, we love the Lord, but we can't speak to each other. Do you think that might be grieving the Holy Spirit of the Most High God? Do you think he's happy with that? I mean, so far, just about everything I have read tonight says what? We are to love one another. I submit to you, if we're to love one another, we should at least be able to speak to one another. So when we're not doing that, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. You want to know how come more things aren't happening in the congregation? Oh, well, if we're not making it a welcome place for the Holy Spirit, what do you expect? Okay, back to this. (laughs) So back to verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, do not offend or vex or sadden him, by whom we were sealed, marked, branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption, a final deliverance through Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper and resentment... "'Anger, animosity, and quarreling, "'brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, "'evil-speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language, "'be banished from you with all malice, "'spite, ill-will, or baseness of any kind, "'and become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, "'forgiving one another readily and freely.'" as God in Christ forgave you. Now, even though that was a side note, it's extremely important. It may provide you with clarity as, as to why you're walking through some things right now. Now, I learned from a very wise man by the name of Baltimore Scott that I don't merely want to go through things. I want to grow through them. Now, CCC East, as a congregation, we are all growing through some things right now. I submit to you, it has nothing to do with this building. It has nothing to do with an on-site pastor or lack thereof. It has everything to do with each one of us and what we are willing to offer. Turn with me to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. And we're going to look at verses 36 through 39. That's Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Verses 36 through 39. I will read it out of the Amplified. Teacher, which kind of commandment is great and important? The principal kind in the law. Some commandments are light, which are heavy. And he, meaning Jesus, replied to him, saying... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, intellect. This is the great, most important principle and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. Now, if we look up the word neighbor in the dictionary, it means one, a person who lives near another. Two, A person or thing that is near another. Three, one's fellow human being. Please note that it does not say that you have to be born again and spirit-filled to be a neighbor. Look at Galatians, the 15th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. Galatians, the 15th chapter. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm saying 15th. And you know what? You all are so sweet. Because I'm sitting here reading it and I'm like... Galatians, the 15th chapter. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, when did it get 15? Yes. Five. <laughs> Thank you. So you all are really awake. Okay. Very good. Galatians five. <laughs> um, and we're going to look at verses 13 to 15. Okay. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. For you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom Only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness, but through love you should serve one another. For the whole law concerning human relationships is compiled with, in the one precept, you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. But if you bite and devour one another in partisan strife, be careful that you and your whole fellowship are not consumed by one another. Again, we're being told to love our neighbor. Now, CCC East, I'm going to push the envelope a little bit. I want you to imagine that we're all gathered here for service. It could be Sunday morning, whenever. And a few of our neighbors decided to enter in to the sanctuary. And two of them are holding hands. And it's very clear that they're very amorous with each other. It's very clear that they are a couple, okay? It doesn't leave anything to the imagination. But their names, for the purpose of this illustration, are Steve and Jim. Not Steve and Eve, but Steve and Jim. Now, being your authentic selves not giving the answer that you think is right, but rather the absolute truth, how would you respond? Would they have to ask, where is the love? Of course, the act of homosexuality is a sin and not acceptable in God's sight, period. Yet, Jesus still died For the homosexual, the same as he did for you and me. Now, if Steve and Jim are not shown God's love in church, where are they supposed to hear about the good news of the gospel? Turn with me to Romans 13. And we're going to read this out of the New King James Version. This is chapter 13 of Romans, and we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. Oh, no no one anything. Say that again. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you really think on this scripture for a little bit, I mean, he puts some heavy-duty stuff in here. Adultery, murder, stealing, I mean, all of this stuff. Lying, but it's all summed up with, we're just supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. Meaning, it's obvious that that's extremely important to the Lord that this is what we're supposed to do. This isn't me saying it. We're just reading scripture after scripture after scripture that says it. So the bottom line is that Steve and Jim, in this scenario, they're our neighbors. And when they come into contact with us, whether they're inside this sanctuary or out, they should experience the love of God. Their Their interaction with us may be the only Bible that they ever see or read. What happens when a teenaged girl or a young woman walks into the sanctuary? She's seven months pregnant and unmarried. She may even be sitting with tears in her eyes. How is she received by us? Do we show her love or do we sit in judgment? If a person comes in with frumpy clothing, hmm, And this is something that's near and dear to my heart because I used to go to a church where I used to go in and my clothing was frumpy because I had four little kids and the money that I had went to pay for trying to make sure they had what they needed. And I'm sure there are many, well, maybe not, but maybe y'all never had to go through that. But if you've had a lot of little kids at one point in time, you tend to give to them before you give to yourself. And this particular church that I went to, oh my goodness, it was wonderful. They really got the prosperity message down and, you know, they had on all their fur coats and everything that was designed. I mean, they looked great. So here I was, little frumpy mom, (laughs) with the four kids, and I would go out into the lobby, and I'm telling you, they did not even see me. They just acted as if I didn't even exist. (sighs) So if a person comes in here like that, and they look like they're just in a bad state of being, do we reach out and maybe speak to them? Give them a hug? Or do we just ignore their existence? like what happened to me. You may never have really even thought about it. You have been so caught up possibly in your own sense of being that you didn't even notice. Now, I'm going to give you something else to think about and then I really got to hurry up. (laughs) Um, You know how we have every Sunday. We always have this wonderful time where we greet the first-time visitors and, you know, we greet one another. I have been observing something and I don't even think any of us have ever really thought about it. What happens is, if the first time visitors happen to be in the row in front or behind you, yes, you'll turn around and greet them. They're there, why not? But most people, almost like a herd of cattle, go running out of their seats to greet their friends. They don't even think about the first-time visitors. And more importantly, they don't don't even think about some of the people sitting around them. They don't care. They just want to see this person over here that's their friend. That person over there, that's their friend. Well, if I am sitting in the sanctuary visiting, this might not have been that I'm the first-time visitor. Maybe this is my fourth or fifth time. But I see this. I had a person Sunday... That just passed. Now, okay, I'm free when it comes to my size. Hallelujah. But I am no way, shape, or form some little person that you can't see. She literally almost jumped over me trying to get to somebody. I'm like, okay, just give me a minute I'll get up. But the point of the matter is, what message is that sending to people? Are we just losing who we are and what we're about? We need to think about that. (laughs) Since we're still in Romans, turn with me to Romans, the 12th chapter. And we're just going to look at the second verse and we're going to read it together. Ready? Do you have it? Okay, read. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Having the love of God flow through us continuously is going to require that we focus on the word of God and not allow ourselves to conform to this world. It has to be a decision that we make. It's a choice. Longtime writer and scholar, George W. Knight states, God's love for us empowers our lives and motivates us to love others. Genuine love is also an action as well as an emotion. If you turn with me to 1 John 3.16, you know what? I'm not even gonna have you do that. Just jot it down because... There's a point I want to get across, and I'm running out of time. So jot down First John 3 and look at verses 16 and 17 when you can. Then I want you to just go with me and remember how I mentioned that churches and congregations have personalities. Well, there's a little church out on Long Island. It's on the eastern end of Long Island, and our youngest daughter attended school there. And I went to a service one day, and one of the members of the congregation, who was a single mother, she had a teenage son and a teenage daughter, she asked if she could address the congregation that particular morning. And I knew her, and I knew her children, because they were big participants of everything that went on in the school. And they were just so joyful. I mean, just like really nice people. You know, they were happy to do whatever, you know. And... Anyway, she got up that particular morning and she wanted to share a praise report. You see, she had been out of work for over two years and she had finally gotten a job. Now, that was a great report, right? However, what she really wanted to do was thank her church family because she hadn't asked anyone for anything and most people had no idea that she was even out of work. However, they had such love and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that they had helped to keep her and her two children out of debt for over two years. She admitted that they ate so much oatmeal (laughs) that her son was so happy she got this job because he never really wanted to eat oatmeal again in life. (laughs) But she shared how people would just come and invite them Out for dinner, just when the oatmeal was getting down to the last drop, so to speak. And she never said anything. They just did it. See, here's the point I'm making. Remember when we read the scripture about how we don't want to ever grieve the Holy Spirit? If our love walk is tainted, if we are blocking that love from flowing through us... We don't even necessarily hear the Holy Spirit when he's telling us stuff. And there are people sitting here, not necessarily right here tonight, but in this congregation as a whole, who would be so blessed if we just went up and gave him a hug. If we just went and, and, and bought the tape, the CD of the day, and just put it in their hands as a gift. The Holy Spirit can tell us all kinds of things to do, but he's not going to do that. The volume isn't going to be turned up for, to hear, for us to hear him if our love is somewhere tucked away. So, <laughs> you know, this is one of those messages that's not real popular It's not a rah-rah message. But it's a message that I truly, I know I don't have to guess or believe because this is truly the Holy Spirit, not me. He wants us to get it. And it's been my assignment, which I gladly take, anything he tells me to do, because I really do love you. And I know God really loves us. And he really loves us as a congregation and he just wants us to get it. I know there's a lot of love in this church family. I have been a recipient of it. I am blessed and honored to be a member of Crenshaw Christian Center East, but I really want us to do our best and I want us to be our best. Why? So that we can make our heavenly father proud of us. Turn quickly with me to First John, the 4th chapter. And we're going to read verses 12 through 21. Oh, gosh. But I have to do it, so I'm going to get it done. <laughs> You'll redeem the time. Okay, it's First John, 4th chapter, verses 12 through 21. No man has at any time yet seen God. But if we love one another, God abides, lives and remains in us. And his love, that love, which is essentially his, is brought to completion, to its full maturity, runs its full course, is perfected in us. By this we come to know, perceive, recognize, and understand that we abide, live, and remain in him and he in us because he has given, imparted to us of his Holy Spirit. And besides, we ourselves have seen, have deliberately and steadfastly contemplated and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Anyone who confesses, acknowledges, owns that Jesus is the Son of God. God abides, lives, makes his home in him. And he abides, lives, makes his home in God. And we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of by observation and by experience and believe, adhere to and put faith in and rely on the love of God, the love rather God cherishes for us. God is love. And he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God. And God dwells and continues in him. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us. That we may have confidence through the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full grace. Grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. We love him because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates, detests, abominates his brother in Christ, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this command, charge, order, injunction, we have from him that he who loves God shall love his brother a believer also. After reading this, there's just no excuse for us not showing love to one another. There just isn't. If there's anyone in our church family that you don't like and you don't speak to, you need to check yourself. First of all, when you point a finger at someone, notice there are three pointing right back at you. Start with you because I know that you want to be obedient. That's obvious by the fact that you're here tonight. And I just ran out of time, but I'm gonna finish this anyway. So, for those of you that are here, you're gonna be blessed to get it. <laughs> when we look around this sanctuary and it's not full, we need to ask ourselves where is the love? When we look into the balcony where Nuflo used to sit and it's empty, Where is the love? You see, it takes more than free trips to California and let's see how many events we can get them to go to. Young people right now are living in a time, and I know every generation can probably say this, but I can speak to this generation right now. They have so many confused signals being given to them. I mean, there are young people who have no clue who they are. Some of them don't know if they're homosexual, bisexual. I'm waiting for them to come up with trisexual something else crazy. They really don't even know. Okay, now, oh, okay, there you go. Metrosexual, what do I know? All I'm saying is, if we don't provide clarity for them and we're the body of Christ, where are they supposed to get it from? I mean, we can't just leave them to the world for the world to instruct them. That just adds to their confusion should be able to come in these doors and know that we're not going to judge them. We're going to love on them. We are going to appreciate them being here. We're going to mentor them. If we see a young girl coming in with a nice little white full skirt on who never had anybody tell her anything about a slip, she doesn't even know what it is, and she stands through the door and everybody sees everything... We're the ones who's supposed to pull her to the side and lovingly let her know. Okay, sweetheart, you know... Give her the information. And men, it's not just the women who have to do anything. Men, we appreciate you. We need you to be men. To be the men of God that you are called to be. Not just in your house, but in the church. We need you to set the example for these young men that are coming along. Many of them don't have fathers in their home. They've never, some of them haven't even met their dad. But you're here. You can tell them that they need to pull up their pants and why. You can make them feel good about being men. And I submit to you, when you do that, you will see that the ladies will treat you as the kings that you need to be treated as. And women, we there's nothing wrong with being a lady. I enjoy being the weaker vessel. There is nothing weak about that. There is nothing wrong with that. We have to allow our men to be men. And it doesn't mean just your husband or your son or people in your family but the men in the church give them some respect when you see the ushers and they ask you could you please move over why can't you just be obedient and do it you know there are so many people they wonder how come they don't have men in their lives okay maybe it's because they should submit to the authority of a man being a man and you being a lady Why can't you just do it? Is it that difficult? Is it that hard? Again, this isn't a lesson that's popular, but I do believe it's one that's needed. Uh, (laughs) When we sit here, week in and week out, and we feast upon the word, but we don't bother to make ourselves available. We don't bother to help out with the ministry of helps in any way, shape, or form. We just figure out a way to criticize them. We don't understand why hostesses look like they're tired. We don't understand why this, why that. Maybe they would like to have a couple of days off. And maybe you could help them with that. Again, where is the love? When we complain about the powers that be, because we don't understand their decision, We don't understand why they're selling the church. We don't understand why they didn't keep this pastor. We don't understand why that pastor had to leave. And we just go on and on and on and on and on. We don't understand. My question to you is, where is the love? When we murmur and complain about leaving this building and moving forward into the next, where is the love? When we are not purposefully interceding, notice what I said, purposefully interceding about our church and our church family, where is the love? CCC East, for those of us that are born again, we are children of the Most High God. We are made in his image and likeness. So He, as he is, so are we. Turn with me to Romans, the 8th chapter. And I'm going to read verses 31 through 39. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. And I want you to really listen to this and listen well. What then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God, who justifies, that is, who puts us in right relation to himself, who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen. Will God, who acquits us, who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who died, or rather, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as he intercedes for us, Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword? And I'm going to pause right there and say... Shall, having to move out of this sanctuary and go to another one, having to believe God for another pastor instead of the one that you may have preferred or you thought should have been here? Now let's pick back up at 36. Even as it is written, For thy sake we are put to death all the day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet amid all of these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. For I am persuaded beyond doubt, am sure, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation... Will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, your homework for this week is to think about how you can be more effective in allowing your love, the love of God in you, to emanate. We want to be established, we want to have it established that when people come to Crenshaw Christian Center East, regardless of the location or the pastor, that they find love. For as it is written, God is love.
0: Thanks for listening. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212 749